Kelly, this week on livefeisty.com, our friend Caroline Livesey, who is very funny, um, wrote an article about the different types of training partners. So there were things like the cafe stop, the procrastinator, the yapper, which Haley Chura, who hosts the Iron Woman podcast, admitted that she is. The OCD. What kind of training partner do you think you are? I'm an awesome <laughs> training partner, Sarah. I'm looking at this and I think, I mean... I think there's a reason I do 90% of my training by myself. I'm going to have to go with the OCD because I do not want to deal with someone else's bullshit. I don't want to like do their training plan. I want to do my stuff, get my stuff done. Don't get in my way. You want to control, control your environment while you're training. (laughs) It's funny because I was looking at them and I don't really, I didn't feel like I fit totally in one, but like, I really like the cafe stop because. Oh my God. No, (laughs) no. We cannot train together. I'm no definitely cafe the stop one it. who's like, can we have a cafe stop? And then there's all these like really high strung people around me who are like, no, we must keep training. But like, it did make me, th- who do you train with? Everyone I train with always wants to stop. And I'm like, <laughs> no, we're not stopping. I don't know. Apparently I've chosen the wrong training partners. No, but the thing it made me think about is like that. Obviously you can't be laid back all the time. Like at some point you're not stopping at the cafe at some point you get in the work done. So I realized that actually I had like two different types. Like one is like during interval time and the other is Mm -hmm. outside of that. So if I'm doing a six hour long ride and the whole point is just to get the base miles in, then I'm like cafe stop, nice route, let's chat. Or if it's the warm up, I'm in that same mode. But like as soon as it's time to do the intervals that it's like I flick a switch and I'm like, boom, I'm in it. So. That's probably what I mean when I say I don't like training with people is, yeah, the hard stuff. I don't there's like two people in the universe I will do hard stuff with because you don't want to have to deal with someone else's shit when you're like dealing with your own shit. If I am struggling or like trying to dig deep or like snog, like I don't need anybody else there. But yeah, the social rides, I'm more I'm more tolerant slightly more tolerant. I like having people to race against. Like I actually do like having other people there. Even sometimes like if there's a discrepancy between us, I'll either let the person go off earlier on the interval and try to chase them or vice versa. If they're the better cyclist, I've, I've often like set up intervals like that before. So we can both be kind of racing each other. It's a tricky thing though, because to find someone who is like your speed, your ability, but is willing to do your workout. Because if they're that speed and that ability, they probably have their own damn training plan. Right. That's true. So I I always like keep my eye out. I'm always like looking to see if I can like groom someone to be the perfect training training partner. You know, it's funny because it makes me think, Clint and I often talk about this, how important it is, what energy you bring like to your lane mates. As someone who now is running, partially running a triathlon club with a variety of people there, we know the people who like bring good energy every day to the pool or who are, who work well with other people. Um, so I just think it was a funny article, but like, it's also important to reflect on like what you bring, like what you're offering to, especially in swimming when you're stuck in a lane together and you're trying to get the best out of each other. So that's my serious side note. That's your serious <laughs> side note. Okay. On that note, I am not a terrible person. <laughs> everyone on my I think that I'm known for just like it's fine that's what everyone says that to me over and over on our team it's fine it's fine because whatever goes wrong it's fine but then one in a hundred times I have a meltdown and then it's ugly so and that's allowed and everybody has meltdowns I think at some point so coming up in the podcast we talk about who actually gets to be called an Ironman champion and then we examine Kelly's proposal that the pro women should start 20 minutes ahead of the pro men 
And could legalized sports betting be good for women's sports? And you guys, she is back. We have a voicemail from Kelly's mom. Live Feisties, If We Were Riding is brought to you by Ass Kicker Inc., whose boutique line of activewear for women features positive uplifting messages such as strong is the new skinny and I can, I will, end of story. You can support the podcast and get 20% off with the code RIDING at AskKickerInc, Inc with a K, dot com. If We Were Riding is also proud to be sponsored by Crave Jerky. Crave Jerky is low in fat, a good source of protein, gluten-free, yay, and contains all natural ingredients. You can support the podcast and get 20% off your online orders by using the code RIDING at CraveJerky.com. That is Crave with a K. I'm Kelly O'Mara. And I'm Sarah Gross. And you're listening to Live Feisties If We Were Riding. My time, my time. None of you people can tell me to stop this time like the last time. You better get ready to race to the top. I'm ready to do this, show you what the truth is. I step on the field, it's time to get real. I'm feeling so ruthless. Okay, this weekend, I went up to Ironman Santa Rosa because it's like my local Ironman to cheer on some friends. And everybody kept asking me why I wasn't racing. It's like, guys, there is no pro race. That's why I'm not racing. Get with it. But there was no pro race. So it was one of those weird races where everyone's just like exercising in the same general area. Because with the rolling start now, there isn't even an obvious like everyone's on their phone on the sidelines at the same time that they're watching so they can be like you're really ahead even though you're behind like it's very strange right it is it is but there's still somebody who crosses the line first and in like they did in this case those people did end up being the winners like obviously usually they are you know usually the best people do start at the front so this girl crossed and the guy crossed too. I just wasn't at the finish line when he crossed and they got a whole finish line banner and like Mike Riley came out and like interviewed them and they got up on the big screen and they were inter- like, this is your Iron Man champion. And I was like, uh, sort of. Yeah. It felt so awkward. I was like, not that they aren't the winner. Obviously they won the race. Yeah. They're very good. They could probably race pro both the amateur winners. Right. But it just felt super, super awkward. Yeah, I understand that. I think when I was thinking about this, I thought, okay, are they an Ironman champion? I don't, you know, I'd never want to take that away from someone. But it's like, we have to see this in part of the bigger picture. Like the the long course pros basically like are slowly headed towards extinction in a way. Like there's less money, less races, there's less sponsor contracts. And we need heroes in that category and we need heroes for the sport to continue to thrive. At least I believe that. And so if we name amateurs in the same way that we name pro athletes who win races, it just continues to water it down. So it's not like, it's not their fault. They just showed up at Ironman and happened to be the first one across the line. So it's not their fault, but I think that it's super important that we continue to understand the differences in those categories and that pro athletes, like I'm guessing that that same woman wouldn't have won if there was a pro race. I mean, no, she went like nine fifty, right? Like it was something like a time similar to what I would do. And I'm not winning Ironman races. Right. Which is what's weird. Cause it's not like on that day in that moment, any of the spectators besides the ones that really know the sport, 90% of the spectators don't know that this is like slower than 
a Meredith Kessler or a Lucy Charles or a Miranda Carvery would go, right? They don't know that. They're just like, oh, she will. Oh my God, it's amazing, right? But I feel like in the long run, they're like on the long run, it has an effect. I just can't help but think it has an effect. In the yeah, long run. I think we should continue to do what we can. I mean, obviously, we're not in control of what Iron Man does, but continue to do what we can to celebrate the pros who win in a way that's distinctly different from the age group that win. Makes sense mm-hmm. to me. Anyway, good job. It's not like we're saying you didn't do a good job. Now you should move up and yeah. be a pro. No. <laughs> yeah. And if, yeah. You, if you need some help with that, we offer great advice. So you could email us if anyone, any amateur woman thinking of going pro, email us for sure. Um, and once you're a pro woman, mm-hmm. however, mm-hmm. there are a lot of challenges few hurdles. to being a pro yeah. woman. <laughs> few hurdles one of the ones that's been driving me crazy this last year like my you know my first year and that i think all the pro women recognize but it doesn't get recognized outside our our little circle that much are the start times right it's insane we often get three to five minutes behind the pro men so sometimes lauren brandon's like catching the pro Mm -hmm. men which is or comes out of the water ahead of them even though they started water ahead of them which is like that's fine it's just annoying and then we get five minutes usually before the age group men start which is insane yeah. because sometimes in a, they'll catch the back like they'll catch me and i'm not a back everyone always says just swim faster i'm not a back of the pack swimmer i'm like a right. mid-pack swimmer that's annoying especially when they have wetsuits and we don't have wetsuits like that's ridiculous right. and then they swarm us on the bike it is a hundred percent not a clean fair race i have seen age group men crash out women like in those swarms like there's nothing you can do when you get swarmed. Like if it's just one guy going by or two guys going by, it's like not a big deal. But a lot of times once the big packs come out of the water, three minutes behind you, and then they're biking in these huge packs, like there's nothing you can do about it. And we saw finally people outside the pro women's field saw that at Texas, like it was a huge problem and it, it really fucks up the women's pro race. Like it's not a fair right, race. It's not fair and it's not clean. And we should have the same attempt at having a fair race or the same kind of fair race course that the men get there's no reason we shouldn't have that and i think it's doable okay so, you have a solution tell us what it is right so obviously this week i proposed that the women start for bef- 20 minutes it was my number but it could be 25 it could be fit like we just we can discuss this exact but 20 minutes before the pro men then the pro men start then the age like then proceed the same they do it in marathoning and, there, you know, when they made that change 15 years ago, there were equally no, equal number of critics saying like, oh, well, the roads can't be closed that long. It's logistically too hard. Like there's, there's no reason. But they did it because then the women got a clean race. The women got a fair race. They got way more press coverage because now, like, you're not just standing around at the finish line waiting for the women to finish forever. The TV can't right? the TV cameras are still there. And it's like a bigger deal on a bike than it is running, I feel like. For sure. To ha- for sure. Okay, I'm going to give you a couple like devil's advocate pieces of information. Oh, I've heard them. People have emailed me, But I want your responses, Kelly. I okay. want the audience to know them. Okay, so in, I believe it's 2008. They, this has actually been done before. So at the World Championship 70.3, mm-hmm. when it was in Florida, the really flat, fast course, again, where they had the same types of problems that right. Texas had a few weeks ago. They sent the pro women off first. And Joanna Zeiger, who is the defending champion, ended up crashing at a time when the pro men were going past them. So I think if you asked her, she would say that it was a complete gong show and it was really unsafe to have a massive... Because again, it's a flat course. So 
the pro right. men. Florida was it? Florida. Yeah, was they're all together, like fifty guys rumbling down the road and suddenly overtaking you. So I don't think they gave them twenty minutes. I don't first think off, I think they gave them like five, five or, 10. or ten. Secondly, so first off, I think you do need to time it so that the pro women are basically getting caught by the time things are more strung out because it's not as big a problem on the bike when it's one person or it's two people you're past like that's not a problem the problem are the packs right so you need to it can't be five minutes if you start the pro women five minutes ahead of the pro men that's just stupid right like that's the same problem we're having now just switched it needs to be like 20 minutes because 20 minutes would be enough that they wouldn't be getting caught till the end of the bike in a 70.3 Secondly, I'm not entirely convinced that getting caught by a pack of pro men is different than getting caught by a pack of age group men. Like people are getting crashed out now in the middle of the race by age group men. It happened in Texas. It's the same thing. A woman, an age group woman went down being swarmed by a pack of age group men. I've seen pro women get taken down too. Like it's, it's, it happens. The other criticism I've heard is that like logistically this, everyone says logistically, this would just be like the race directors aren't going to want to do it. The permits like can't be gotten. And, um, and they'll come up with like, there are specific examples where they'll say like, well, we just can't start any earlier because it's still dark out the roads, but we have to be done by midnight. And so, you know, we still need to give the slower athletes like their full time. Yeah. I think it's a relationship between when it starts to get light. Cause it, for, you can't have the pro women going off earlier than daylight, obviously. So although in Melbourne one year, they did send us off in the pitch black. I'll have, you know, Oh yeah. I got sent fun. off in the dark before too. Yeah. <laughs> so happens. we're not going to advocate for that, but like, but if you, in case you have daylight as your earliest possible point, um, and then you have in relation to logistically the road closures and how you would then need to add 20 minutes to the road closure for a race director. So what say you? Okay. Here's my, well, first off, if you cared and wanted to figure out the logistic, I think they are a hundred percent figure outable. You have to care. That would be my first like note here. Secondly, I think the way to do this is that, sure, like there are some races where like logistically it's complicated. Louisville, I was at and we got delayed because we were waiting for the sun to start. Right? Like there are races where like you cannot start earlier and there are races that have very limited road close. Like you have to be to have the road closed by X time or like whatever the specific city has. Like I get that. But there are most races where that is not a problem. Like it, you none of those challenges are are a reality. I also think it's way, way easier to do this, like in the 70.3 distance, like most of the, because you don't have the same like midnight time cap, right? You're not trying to finish, like there's not as big a, an issue about the end there. So why don't we start by doing it in the 70.3s, doing it at the vast majority of races that are not logistically challenging, see how it works, figure out like what the challenges are and then like roll it out from there. Like it doesn't make any sense to like, tell me why that's not a good idea. Like, I don't understand why we can't roll it out at the vast majority of races that are not logistically challenging at 70.3s first, figure it out and then tackle the ones that, yeah, sure. Like there's a time issue. There's a darkness issue, whatever. Sure, yeah, I would, I agree. I think that we should, that you, you could try it at one event. Like I even think of the 70.3 coming up here in Victoria, it gets, which was terrible. We got three minutes terrible. on the Asian And there's no year. reason for it because I can tell you what, in the summer, I have to have blackout blinds here. And June is the lightest month here. And it's in June, races in June. And I can't sleep sometimes past 4 a.m. because it's so light because we're so far north. So like they do not have a light problem. They're not going to have to extend their road closures. So I say, let's try it at one event. Why not? Let's try it. Let's try it. 
And I think what would happen is the same thing that would happen when we tried the women and men on separate days at 70.3 championships is it would be great and everyone would love it. And we'd realize like we should have been doing this all along. You've solved all the problems, Kelly. (laughs) Okay. So last week we ran a poll. So I don't know if you guys remember, but last week's episode I think was called the Prince Harry of triathlon. And that is because I thought it was this wonderful (laughs) analogy to say that while the race wildflower was, was the Prince Harry of triathlon, Kelly thought that this was a terrible analogy. So yes. And who, how many people in your Twitter and Instagram polls agreed with me that it made no sense? Okay. So on Twitter, I have to tell you on Twitter, which is the only one that saves the numbers because on Instagram after 24 hours, it disappears and I didn't get it. Didn't get the numbers on time. Oh, honey, you can find that still in your Instagram. Oh, I can. I okay, I'll that. do that later. We'll take care of that later. <laughs> so, but anyway, here's what I can tell you. So we don't get too much of the boring details that on Twitter, a lot of people thought it was terrible or just had no clue what I was talking about with the Prince here of Travel right. on. And so you won on Twitter. But on uh, Instagram, the Instagram audience <laughs> felt that it was a good analogy. So I think we have a tiebreaker in your mom. So let's hear what she has to say. Hello, Kelly's mom here. I want to do a minute of I'm an English teacher. Let me try and help. To talk about Wildflower is the Prince Harry of triathlons is a difficult metaphor because a metaphor is supposed to take something unfamiliar or unknown and make it clear by comparing it to something familiar. And the problem here is that Prince Harry and the royal family are not that familiar to most Americans. So it's a difficult metaphor. As an extended metaphor, it's not an allegory. An allegory is an entire story where all the characters and events are symbolic. But as an extended metaphor, if you wanted to say that the world of triathlon is the royal family, nice and stable and all that, and Wildflower is the wild and crazy Harry, that also has problems. Because the royal family's not all that stable. They're full of crazy people. And Prince Harry's kind of settled into a reasonably solid adult. I think a simple metaphor is better. If you were to just say triathlon is going through a Prince Harry phase as it tries to grow and mature into adulthood, that would be a decent metaphor because Prince Harry struggled with his shift into being a mature, responsible adult. So he is now. So there. On the other hand, I do really enjoy the kind of hidden pun in outspoken, referring to like the spokes of the bike and being outside and doing all those things. That's clever. It made me laugh. Well, your mom is awesome as usual, but uh, I guess I'm going to have to concede that you win that Wildflower, the Prince Harry of Triathlon is terrible. Makes (laughs) no sense. It's terrible. She, uh, She did have some thoughts about your name for your yes, summit. I would though. like to thank her for saying, because I thought it was a wave of brilliance to call the women in triathlon summit that's coming up this fall outspoken. So thank you for f- confirming my brilliance. I do have to ask though, we didn't plan this ahead of time. So I don't know what you're going to say. Did you read the slow twitch thread about your outspoken logo oh. and whether or not that was a single speed drivetrain and what was the metaphor behind if it was a single was speed drivetrain? Yeah. So on our logo for outspoken, we have a chain ring for the O, right? And somebody on Slow Twitch, this is so Slow Twitch, but it was actually quite amusing. They had identified what exact kind of chain ring it was. And then they were kind of making tongue in cheek jokes about how it was like, we're only in the big ring, 55 teeth. <laughs> 
<laughs> and whether we were going after some kind of symbolism there. So I, I actually was quite amused by that thread. Okay, but you were not going after symbolism. No, is we like chose it. My partner, Lisa Ingerfield, she made the logo. And, and I don't know, I think she just randomly chose a chain ring. Off Man, of like I really would have expected free better, online better image from you. <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry to tell you guys the chain ring has no meaning. <laughs> um, so this week, this is like not triathlon related and people are probably like, what is Kelly talking about? But this week, the Supreme Court in the U.S., not in Canada, uh, ruled that sports gambling is going to be legal, Sarah, which apparently it was not before. No, I mean, I know it, it, was, it existed in this gray area yeah. before where there was a lot of discussion over whether it was legal or not legal. And a lot of companies have been trying to argue it's a game of skill, not a game of chance. And they like, whatever. It's been going on for a while. But the sports, the Supreme Court ruled this week, sports gambling is legal. And the argument is, well, the, the Supreme Court didn't make this argument, but there is an argument out there that this now is going to be like good for women's sports. Okay, so I can, I mean, I think I can sort of follow that chain of thought, but tell us, train of thought rather, but tell us why it could be good for women's sports. So there's multiple like studies and examples out there that once people start betting on something and gambling on it and they have money invested, then their their interest follows and they start like following the sport. The UK is like way more in-depth sports betting than we do. And once they started betting on women's soccer over football, sorry, over there. Viewership actually is like, you can link it. Like viewership went mm-hmm. up, like doubled. So I agree. It might bring in new yeah, viewers. I agree. If people are betting on it, they would be more invested. And then also, I think, like I said last week about, remember about the fishing world championships or something. Like if you put money, not just prize money, but the money in anything seems to draw attention to it. So I think the more money, the better for women's sports. All right. You should go and bet on track. I wonder if you'll be able to bet on triathlon now. I don't know. We should find out. Okay. So after the credits, stay tuned because we are going to talk about famous athletes that we see in the real world. We would like to thank our sponsors, Ass Kicker Inc. and Crave Jerky. You can support the podcast and get 20% off by using the code RIDING, that's R-I-D-I-N-G, at asskickerinc, inc with a K, dot com. And Crave Jerky, crave with a K, dot com. If you don't already, follow us on all the social medias at If We Were Riding on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And make sure you subscribe to our feed on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts. If We Were Riding is hosted by Kelly O'Mara and me, Sarah Gross. Our fabulous editor is Aaron Hamilton. My time, my time. None of you people can tell me to stop this time like the last time. You better get ready to race in the top. I'm ready to do this, show you what the truth is. I step on the field, it's time to get real. I'm feeling so ruthless. This weekend, when I was biking up to Santa Rosa, I was on a bike path and I was like, oh my God, that girl running by me is running way too fast and looks way too serious. It has to be somebody famous. Well, somebody famous in endurance sports world. (laughs) And I looked closer and I was like, oh my God, it's Kim Conley. I told my husband this and he was like, who, what are you talking about? But I told one of my friends and she was very excited. And then, and then Des Linden, who won the Boston Marathon, her husband was racing at Santa Rosa. So I saw her family and I kept like looking around. I was like looking everywhere for her. Where is she? But you didn't see her. I didn't see her. Have you seen? And then, of course, these are like 
moderately famous. Like he's like famous, famous for sports people. Yeah. Right. Okay. I was excited because one time ever in my life in an airport, somebody came up to me and said, are you Sarah Gross? <laughs> and they recognized me from triathlon. So I was very excited. So you're pretty famous so like, is what you're saying. This is basically a celebrity Next sighting. level, next level. But, and the reason they, the reason they recognized me is because I had a 5Q, like the, the symbol oh, for 50 yeah. women to Kona on my backpack and they were following. So clearly they were like highly entrenched in triathlon culture. So was this at an airport coming back from a race? Cause that almost doesn't count. Cause it's like no, half we were at the airport then. where the race was like, it was, okay. I remember there was a sense of randomness about it where I was like, Whoa, that's cool. I'm going to remember this for the rest of my life. <laughs> I saw Ashton Eaton at an airport, well, at the Seattle airport, because that's like where he was training one time. And I got so excited. Whoever I was on the phone with, I was like, I have to go. Have to go. <laughs> Ashton Eaton's here. Did you go up to him? No, I like, by the time I like got off, I went to like chase him down. He was, but he was like, an, it was clearly him. He was in all Nike stuff. I was like, that's Ashton Eaton. Cool. And isn't he married to our Canadian girl? Yeah, he is. They also both retired and they're like doing other oh. stuff now. We should follow that story. I also, I also one time, okay, I like, clearly I you pay way too much attention to endurance sports celebrities. Yeah. I was at a race here. It was a half marathon. I was out in the middle of nowhere, like where you're like, where there's no cheer, like people cheering, standing, waiting for my husband. And this guy was standing next to me, like supporting his wife. And I was just kind of like, all right, whatever. Then Sarah Hall, the runner runs by and starts talking to him and he starts talking to her. And I was like, oh shit, this is Ryan Hall. And I was like, oh, you really put on some muscle <laughs> since you <laughs> retired because he was not recognizable. Did you didn't say that though. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> But it's true. You wouldn't have recognized him. You'd have been like, oh. Okay, I have a story. It's more in context, though. But I was actually at a rowing event in England. At a, what do you call the big rowing event in England? A regatta? Boat race. No. Okay. Henley. <laughs> I was at Henley. Thank you. And then, and I was running to try to catch my boyfriend at the time to get a picture of him. And I was running like freaking full tilt because... I had just misjudged it really to get ahead of him at the finish line. And they move pretty quick in those races and those boats. And he was in a four or something. Anyway, I literally like body slam Matthew Pinsent, who was like a recent gold medalist in the Olympics and rowing. Like I ran right into and his stomach was like my face at my face level. Like, cause nice. he was so big. And I was like, Oh, Oh, sorry. And I look up and I'm like, Oh, <laughs> Sorry. And then I had to run away because I had still had to get the photo. So it was one of these like weird, embarrassing. And he was just, yeah, anyway, it, it was funny. I do think this is a narrow niche, though, recognizing athletes that aren't, you know, NBA or football in the real world. Totally. Our podcast partner, Crave Jerky, is hosting a Find Your Fit contest from now through June 2018. All you have to do is post a selfie while working out. That should be easy for our listeners. And you could win $300 in gift cards from Flywheel, ClassPass, or Gaiam Yoga. And of course, Crave product. Use hashtag CraveBetter and hashtag SweepstatesEntry. One caveat though, you must be a US resident 18 years or older to enter. Also, hashtag LiveFeisty so we can see your entry too. Details will be posted in the show notes for this podcast on livefeisty.com. 